0: Hey there, Busy Teachers. I'm Jodie, and I'm obsessed with all things teacher-related. With over a decade of teaching and leadership experience, I'm here alongside some incredible voices of the teaching profession to share some wisdom and tips with you. As teachers, we love to teach, but we live to learn. And so this is the time for you to sit back, relax, and absorb some magical teachings that will help lift and inspire you.
1: This is the Busy Teachers Club podcast.
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Busy Teachers Club podcast. So this week, can we just have a minute for emotional health and Who better to join me, literally, than the inspirational Ginny, who is just the absolute queen of all things related to emotional health and social development. Ginny's Instagram, Courageous Cubs, is an absolute goldmine of content, so much so that I actually have alerts on for when she posts, so I don't actually miss anything. I learned so much from her, and I'm sure we're all going to learn so much today. So welcome to the show, Ginny.
1: Hi, everyone. Hi, Jodie. Thanks for having me
0: pleasure pleasure so before we dive in I always like to ask this question just so it gives us a little bit more of a flavor of um, your journey so far as a teacher so if you could just talk us through your journey as a teacher so far and what would you say is your passion within the field of education?
1: Absolutely so um, I am a teacher in London right now I studied in Australia I did a four year bachelor of education and I worked in a um, quite a progressive school in Brisbane Australia for a few years, uh, then decided to move over to London for a bit of an adventure Mm. uh, there in London. (laughs) So here I've been teaching at a school again in the early years, so I really specialize in children one to seven, and I've been teaching here also in a leadership position at my school. And last year I decided I wanted to uh, make life harder for myself and started (laughs) a Masters of Child Play Education, uh, sorry, Child Play um, Therapy. Um, in an effort to become a play therapist, because I did realize through my work with children that the biggest um, joy of my work and the biggest passion that sparked in me was around raising generations of emotionally intelligent, brave kids with mm-hmm. secure and healthy trust foundations. Um, I ended up doing, through the pandemic, some study around emotional intelligence, and I got my EQ assessor and educator um, certifications, which also led me down Mm -hmm. this path. And I guess through my master's, I learned so much about attachment and neuroscience and how the brain develops, you know, 90% in those first five years. Mm -hmm. And it just really drove home to me how, you know, our repeated interactions, especially in those first years, is what yeah. influences you know the developing brain of a child and that may be for better or for worse yeah. so it's so important the work that we do in these early years and you know when we are continually soothing and expanding the emotional literacy of children we're deepening those neural pathways that lead to their ability to self-soothe and their you know emotional regulation and I realized here that what is most helpful, I felt called to support caregivers and, and parents in this really important work because when caregivers can provide that those consistent repetitions of, you know, attuned responses when a child's upset and the more predictably we welcome them back into yeah. our safe haven, that's that secure uh, attachment relationship is the secure base that enables them to explore and take risks, a bit like a backswing tennis court. That movement back to us is what propels them forward. So I wanted to um, offer some education and some work, uh, some supportive work for parents around that because without intention and without awareness of our patterns, we revert back to our, the only manual we have, which is our experiences of caregiving. Yes. And that's not always um, beneficial. So that's why I started mm-hmm. Courageous Helps.
0: I mean, um, and I'm, am I glad you did because <laughs> literally, this is the thing though, isn't it? If you don't have access to that education, if you don't have access to somebody who does really know their stuff, who has had the journey you have or done the masters you have, or you know, has those tools and the, and, and those skills and, and that information, then you 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 cannot do you cannot do what you need to do to support these these children we even if you've got the best intentions in the world it is about knowledge um so I am honestly gassed to have you on the podcast because I just I just feel like every time you post I'm like right that makes so much sense I can now apply that in my classroom or I can apply that with my stepson or you know so it's um yeah it's super useful and I'm truly grateful for you um sharing your knowledge Um, so we're going to unpick the social development part a little bit then and what emotional support is helpful to children so i wanted to select a few topics that i think teachers listening might really appreciate some support with um because i know i will Um, so first of all let's start with communication then the core really um should we be explicitly teaching children about communication styles? What might the benefits of this be and what might this actually look like? So rather than children kind of just, I guess, developing those communication styles from what they naturally see and experience, um, you know, should we be explicitly teaching different styles for different kind of situations?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I think mm. it's something that's so often overlooked. Um, and, you know, we just tend to, Step, see what's happened. Yeah. Swoop in with a judgment that was right, that was wrong, without yeah. breaking it down and and actually looking at the skills that are missing. Just like we teach kids, you know, how to calculate or read or swim or anything to do with education, we need to teach them how to how to actually interact and build relationships, yeah. and talk to one another, um, and that's so important. So I find um, I, I like to use a model that I find really helpful for young children um, that may be being a little passive or a little aggressive with their boundaries. And that doesn't show that they're bad. It just shows there's missing skills. Some kids need help to contain their energy and some need help with confidence to assert um, with the understanding that being clear about our boundaries is kind. So I like to use animals as a metaphor to help with this. I find, you know, young children live mostly in their right brain, in their land of imagination and play and fantasy. So Mm -hmm. bringing metaphor into it is so powerful because it allows for that cross hemispherical integration, that right brain Mm -hmm. to the left brain. So you could use animals or even better, you could have a set of uh, miniature figurines and let them pick one as a symbol for that communication style or that feeling. Because while the left brain can hold the words, the right brain is um, often what holds the expression and captures the essence of that that communication style or that emotional feeling. So the three animals that I tend to come back to is so you've got three communication styles. You've got passive, the passive mouse, you've got an aggressive gorilla, and you've got an assertive owl. And I introduce those to children, or I introduce the uh, communication styles and then let them pick the symbol. Okay. That yeah. That's that for them. So the passive mouse is when we want to run and hide. And essentially, that's our fight, uh, sorry, our flight and freeze response. Mm -hmm. where that's when we're reverting to people pleasing my needs don't matter I just want you to be happy I'll do whatever you say um just yesterday I had a child have an incident with another child and when you know when it came to talking about it and understanding it she just completely shut down she was she didn't look sad she didn't look angry she didn't look she just went completely blank faced and Mm. unable to engage and that is an example of that response so it's great to create awareness around that the other scale is the attacking uh, stress response fighting yelling name calling hitting um Mm. or what i say you messages you are being rude you are annoying yeah um and that's the other end of the scale and that's when kids need help to contain that those emotions and regulate and and express themselves in more healthy safe ways and then Mm -hmm. you've got the exerted owl which is the clear the clear and kind message that i message i'm feeling this way when it happens and i need this so we come back to those three symbols quite often and i think it's a way to separate the child from the behavior and a way to kind of look from the outside in on that interaction and reflect on you know how we can move how we can say what we need to say in another way in an assertive our kind of way
0: mm-hmm that must be really powerful as well like kind of that separation between the two because it can be really hard even as adults can't it to own you know the the behavior or the the way that you're communicating with someone so i really like the idea of that separation
1: and passive mouse is one i think that being passive is one that's often overlooked in yeah. interactions because it's it's trickier to notice um, and yeah. it's, it's you know those children are dysregulated and they they need just as much support as you know a child that's acting aggressively even though those behaviors tend to grab our attention a little bit more so i Mm. think using those symbols can raise children's awareness and just as you said raise our awareness i know that i can you know if i if i feel myself slipping into a more authoritarian um Mm. aggressive stress response because that's what it is um, i find that helpful as well for me to model um, you know what would be an assertive way to say this
0: so, so let's say, for example, you did have that experience with that young girl yesterday um, and she went into that freeze response. What, what does that look like then to kind of get them to be the assertive owl? Would you kind of get them to come up with the, the different ways of uh, dealing with that or would you offer those to them or how would you go about it?
1: Well, for that, particular, when a child is in a stress response, it's generally almost always not the time to teach or yeah. to coach so in that sense everything i was saying was like bouncing off a brick wall (laughs) it wasn't going in she wasn't able to engage she wasn't receptive her brain wasn't receptive to the words that i was saying because it was in a stress response and i think sometimes when children are in a freeze response we take it as you know disrespectful they're not you know they're not showing remorse or they're not um you know they're not reflecting they don't care but really it is a child that is like a deer in headlights so um, what I did for her in particular is just soothing, just focus on soothing the physiology. you know forget about what happened. She had pushed another child, but I forget about what happened at that moment. It's not the time to discipline and teach and problem solve. It's the time for connecting, attuning, regulating, so giving her the time and space she needs, and then circling back to it when she's in a more receptive brain state.
0: And would that be on the whole, would you say like kind of the same day or would you, so that it's kind of still a bit fresh or would you leave a bit more time?
1: I think it depends on the trial, but for, for this particular case, it's definitely the same day. Um, obviously it depends what time of day this happens, but you know, you don't want to leave it too long because then it's irrelevant. Yeah. Well, the children often move, in, <laughs> move on from these things very, very quickly. And the yeah. incidences are usually pretty minor. I mean, it was a very minor incident. Um it was a, you know, not a very aggressive push. It was more of a, you know, just one of those um, con- little minor yeah. annoyances, I guess. So I think um, for her, she needed a bit of time on her own and then she needed to get back into play. We did some Play-Doh together and she started to open up a little bit more, she started to speak a little bit more and then we can approach it with curiosity. Mm, I wonder how actually felt and really you want to counteract the shame that comes because Children feel shame so quickly, and I think um, nothing that I did made her feel shamed, but her behaviour made her feel ashamed, and she wasn't able to learn in a shame spot. Shame blocks learning, so once she understood that she wasn't in trouble, that I was her safe boss, that I care about her just as much as I care about the other child, then you know she was able to repair and to think about alternative options for next time. So it was about, I'd say probably about. 20 minutes later.
0: Okay right that's so interesting I know you say that your specialism is um, ages one to seven but I'm thinking of I mean literally a million um, experiences that I've had with secondary children all the way up to you know the age of 16 where I've seen that kind of passive mouse response that I've mistaken for disrespect like you say and then it's kind of without giving them that time to process, I've gone straight in with, right, this is what you, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So this is, that's really interesting to hear, to hear that because you would, especially because that child in your example is the one that is, that's behavior was, was wrong. If you like, that was the person who pushed the other person to have that, you know, you using words like soothing, you know, is not necessarily the natural thing for, for adults to, to, to do in that situation, if that makes sense. So it's really interesting to hear it phrased like that. Is that something that you kind of hear a lot that people kind of, if someone's done something wrong, that that, that soothing's not necessarily the natural.
1: Mm, well, we want to jump in and repair. I think it's really, of course, it's really important to address the hurt child first, and that you do always do that because they yeah. need to understand that that is a priority and that it's you know not okay to hurt. So yeah. after doing that, after checking that child's okay. I think sometimes we overlook that it doesn't feel good to do the wrong thing. It, kids don't want to feel yeah. that. It's, <laughs> you know, kids will always choose to do the right thing when they can. And I think, and to do the good thing, the thing that makes them feel good. Doing the wrong thing feels bad for a child. And mm-hmm. um, understanding that helps us to build our sense of compassion and helps us to have empathy for that child. And that doesn't mean there's no discipline. That's a point that I think is often misunderstood as well is that soothing doesn't mean the absence of boundaries or the absence of discipline. When we do revisit, when that child is in a calm space, it is um, expected that they will repair and that they will engage in um, that learning process with you and that there will be logical consequences to that behavior. It just doesn't have to happen right away and i think as teachers we're so rushed we're so we've yeah got going on and we've got you know, how many other kids to worry about that sometimes we just need things to be solved right then and there but i mean mm. sometimes in that case it just looked like me going about my business but keeping her near me for a little bit just my presence i kept mm. teaching that next to me or i would help another child but she was sitting next to me and i was kind of patting her back it's just like it there's a way to make it work um not always and I think we have to be kind to ourselves there was a, a few other many other cases that day where I didn't I wasn't able to do this but when we can it's so powerful mm. and it makes such a big difference
0: really interesting um, let's circle round then to to thinking about conflict how might a teacher go about teaching children to navigate conflict
1: yes so um i like to go back to these calm steps that i kind of developed to help me remember the most important things and the priority in which to do these things so the c and the a of calm is connecting and attuning which is kind of what we've discussed the soothing saying what you see Whoa, i see an angry child i see um i saw you know there's pushing going on acknowledging you must feel really angry right now um, the L stands for limit. We're going to take a break so no one gets hurt because it's my number one job to keep everyone safe. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, taking action without insult, without shame. And then the motivating bit is where we come to <clears throat> M for motivate is where we come to problem problem solving and coaching. And that's the, you know, a bit of the process we were speaking about earlier with, um, you know, reparation, offering options for making it better. And importantly, I think with this, it's about once they're calm, doing doing less, giving them the words, but not solving the problem for them, which I think is really easy for us to go to. Um, say I've noticed two kids are having an argument or they've come to me and they seem regulated. Sometimes connecting and attuning can be really quick because it's just an acknowledgement of what's happened for both kids. But sometimes it takes longer because they're dysregulated. So I mean, we use our assessment there. And then I'll go back to the GROW model often, um, which is a common model that's used in coaching. And it stands for goal, reality, and will. And I think this is really helpful when we're working with children because it's kind of a scaffold for us to work from. So the goal is acknowledging what they want. You you know, you, you don't like waiting to go down that slide. You want to go right now. Um, the R is the reality, describe the problem. It's really annoying having to wait. The problem is though being pushed outside feels kind of scary for coming, people would be hurt. So, you know, there's a problem. And then you wanna ask about options and this is where we engage them. Ask for all the ideas that they can think of. We need some ideas so we can all have a good time without anyone getting hurt. So can you think of any, what could we do? I know how creative you are, I know how, you know, um, curious you are. Let's, come up with, let's both come up with some ideas, and they can be really silly. They can be like put slime on the slide, or you know, um, put a make it Tommy's only slide, or something. It could be any idea, no wrong ideas, and you can get a bit silly, which is helpful for engaging the humour. And then you've got the W for will, which is what will you do? Evaluate the ideas. Hmm, I don't know if you know putting slime on this idea, slide a <laughs> idea because it might. You know, it might slip everywhere and then we'd have to clean it up and you can kind of evaluate all the different ideas, decide on the best one, okay? Maybe we can, you know, go on the swings while we wait for Tommy to go down the slide. You can try that and then you try those ideas out. So taking that process, again, where possible, We're busy people and definitely not always possible, but it can be really helpful to have that framework in mind when you're um, inviting kids on that and and helping them practice those problem solving skills
0: yeah because I was just about to say then I guess is is the goal for them to be
1: able to do that without support eventually yeah but I think it's one of those things that even adults need support with sometimes yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah the grow model is used, the coaching model used with adults used to you know describe what you want describe the problem understand your options and then make a decision on what you're going to do that serves Mm -hmm. your long term goals and that's actually the essence of emotional intelligence which is having awareness of the problem and how you're feeling and understanding what your choices are and then making that decision based on what your long-term vision is what your purpose is what are the values that you want to move closer towards
0: yeah super helpful that's really really powerful um let's take a specific kind of example then so children can get frustrated when they're struggling with a task so how can teachers support them emotionally whilst still helping them to move forward with the task that they're actually struggling with
1: so i always come back to our class mantra which we you know it's a very common practice for teachers to set up that class charter or class mantra I like to keep it really simple for the early years um, and kind of playful. So we've got stick together, no hurts, have fun and do the hard thing anyway. And mm. sticking together is the most important number one. And that's the essence of you are safe here. We're a team, you know, mm. I'm never going to leave you alone with the hard thing. When we stick together, we can do hard things. And the harder it is, the more we stick. So because I think the essence of you know, the heart of this emotion, emotion work is that the pain of an emotion isn't just having it, it's being alone in that emotion. Yeah, it's having the, um, the supported presence of another. Um, so I come back to that. And then what kids want to know in that instance, you know, when they're frustrated, when they're having the self-doubt of, can I do this? I have, you know, am I good enough? They want to know, will will my teacher, will my safe boss stick with me when I'm showing these worst parts of myself, when I'm most vulnerable? so that's what i come back to to kind of first of all frame my um approach is understanding that you know kids are doing the best they can with what they have yeah. then of course you want to check, check the challenge is it an easy ask is it a supported ask or is it an impossible ask mm-hmm. is possible is it, is it an impossible ask and that's really key for us as teachers because if we're going straight to independent practice and they don't have the skills um that's not going to be a recipe for success and that's going to yeah. be frustration. And is it too easy as well? It's an easy ask and that's okay for some things, but not in that, you know, zone of proximal development, not in that real growth zone. So I think, is this a supported ask? Is this something that they can do with help with, support, with scaffolding and how am I going to support that gradual release of responsibility? Um, and then what I would say ahead of time, you know, do as teachers lots of uh teaching around mistakes growth mindset um which we're very familiar with as teachers and in the moment responding with you know modeling coaching skills you might say to them look i'm sensing you might be feeling frustrated i can see that this is is feeling really hard and that makes sense you know it feels hard because it is hard this is hard yeah um, you might offer just a five minute break or run a lap outside. Offer them a bit of a circuit breaker in mm. of frustration because there's no point forcing them through the frustration if they're not in a regulated brain state. But of course, you don't want them to have free reign over that. So I think some structure around maybe two choices with time limits is mm-hmm. helpful to help a child kind of reset, re engage. Um, and your 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 support and your help. Uh, that's kind of what I come back to
0: all super super useful and doable like you say where you know you mentioned earlier about how teachers are super busy all the time but everything that I feel like you've mentioned is is doable within within the realms of our teaching day so that's really helpful thank you now you've talked a little bit about emotional, well, you talked a lot about emotional intelligence so far. Um, how might we support our students with, this, with that kind of emotional development? Are there any other kind of tips or tricks that you've not already mentioned that can help with the development of emotional intelligence in kids?
1: Definitely. So I guess a bit of a one-on-one around emotional intelligence, as I've kind of touched on, you've got three main pillars. You've got the awareness and the insight piece which is about clearly seeing what you're feeling and what you're doing. And this is the main piece, especially for younger children. Um, And it's what we can start, we can start this piece as early as we like. Um, I believe we can start from birth. That example is carried on and it's developing those pathways. And that is just deepened as they grow. The second pillar or second piece of it is the choice part, which is doing what you mean to do, assessing all the options, Using your consequential thinking to, to understand what are all the ways I could respond here, and that's kind of the space between the trigger and the action. It's that it's that um, thinking space in between. Mm. And then the third piece is the your your purpose, your intention. You're doing what you do for a reason. You're acting to, to align yourself with your values, to move yourself closer to your purpose, and also to serve your your sense of empathy. So those are the three pillars, awareness, choices, mm-hmm. And for young children, building their awareness is about noticing the physiology of the emotion in their body, noticing what it feels like when they are feeling anxious, when they feel happy, excited. Excited and anxious are really similar, so exploring those nuances as well. Mm-hmm. Noticing what it looks like in others and what happens inside their body when they're sad. And then finding labels and naming those feelings. Because when we name a feeling, there's research to show that we dissipate the need for that emotion to kind of explode out of the body in a full body way. When we name it, we bring our thinking brain to that feeling part. We bring our awareness and our um, the words, the left part of our brain, we bring it to our right part of our brain. And that's called naming it to tame it, which was coined by Dr. Dan Siegel. And it's a really important part. So naming mm. children to name those feelings and then yeah. safe ways to express it. You know, it, it, it's okay to feel angry. It's not okay to push someone. What is okay with this feeling? What can you do to let this feeling out? It's really good to let it out. It's really safe to show me. And I'm here to help you. Yeah. So, yeah. For young children, that is um, the the most important piece because they're just getting used to their um, their bodies. They're just doing it. Just- Absolutely,
0: yeah. So when you say, when you mentioned there about, I used anger as an example, I'm intrigued.
1: What, what can they do other than punch yeah. someone in the face? Well, I know. There is an idea that children can let out their feelings of aggression through, uh, say, hitting the floor, hitting a pillow. There's some evidence to show that that might not be the most beneficial way of releasing anger because it might reinforce those um responses so i try to push towards or prompt towards taking time taking space so you feel really angry you can go and scribble it out on a piece of paper you can go do some deep breathing exercises that we have explicitly taught and practiced like um, flower blowing on a pinwheel or blowing bubbles Um, it might be playing with squishing play-doh to help, it might be um, be reading a picture book to kind of circuit break that anger. The thing about anger, I think, or just any emotion, that I think is so powerful for grown-ups and children to understand is that I was trained with Six Seconds, um, which is an emotional intelligence organisation, and they were named Six Seconds because they did research to show that the time it takes for us to feel from the trigger to feel the emotion and for that emotion to dissipate in our body and to kind of dissolve into our physiology is about six seconds. The problem comes, the problem is, is that our stories feed the emotion. So we feel emotion. think this is why I'm angry. This is wrong. This is, you know, and they, we, we tell stories in our mind that, perpetuate that anger but if we instead stop and we think right I'm angry and we can we take ourselves off that ride we observe it we let it dissipate then we can I guess understand the situation with more um more appropriate or more reality-based interpretation and a more a more generous interpretation as well
0: absolutely i'm actually uh, listening to an audiobook at the moment and that's one of the things that um, that he says he says his mantra that he wants um, the readers to kind of take with them is more body less story so that it just reminds you about that kind of six second situation you know where that you were that you were you, you were talking about there so yeah really really interesting stuff um are there any kind of, I guess, like final tips or anything else you want to kind of uh, share before we go?
1: Oh gosh, just um, just thank you. I'm so grateful for you having me on, Jody, and for having the opportunity to talk about this. It's my first podcast episode, and I couldn't have asked for a better um, person to talk to. So thank you so much for having me on, and everybody for listening
0: literally my pleasure and it will not be your last girl because i mean if you had your own podcast i'd be tuning in (laughs)
1: literally every week i also want to say i forgot to mention that i have just launched my new website and on there there is um one-to-one services available for coaching um Mm -hmm. so if you are interested in working with me to um understand what's going on for a child We'll do an hour session and then I come up with a kind of detailed strategy pack with some practical strategies that you can try and some resources to support that implementation. So feel free to check that out at courageousclubs.com.au if you're interested.
0: Amazing. And I'll link that in the notes as well. So it's easy for people to just kind of click and take a look. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been really inspiring and will definitely be informing my planning and teaching kind of moving forward. So really do thank you for sharing your expertise with us. And like Ginny said, if you want to connect with her, which you definitely do, let's be fair, um, you can find her on Instagram at Courageous Cubs and definitely check out her new website where there is the one-to-one services. There's also products on there as well that you can um, and will want to have a look at. So like I say, I will link them both in the notes and you can head over and take a look. If you're interested in supporting the well-being of your students in the classroom, you can receive support with this every month with the Busy Teachers Club subscription. You can listen to the outro for more information or you can head to busyteachersclub.co.uk to find out more. All right, guys, well, that is it for this episode. So until next time, Busy Teachers, have the best week. For more information on today's topic, head over to Instagram at Busy Teachers Club and look out for today's podcast post to join the conversation. I would love to hear your thoughts. The content of this podcast links perfectly with this month's Busy Teachers Club membership. For more support with your professional development, classroom resources and teacher well-being, head over to busyteachersclub.co.uk to learn more about our monthly subscription, which provides an abundance of timely support, resources and inspiration directly to your inbox every month. This will help you to continue to learn and grow as a teacher without having to do all of the research and planning yourself. What a time saver with key monthly foci including closing the gap, curriculum, teaching and learning, leadership and more, and with every month including book recommendations and resources to help you to continue to diversify your curriculum, this really is a goldmine of value for £4.99 a month. That's all for now, thank you so much for listening and just remember busy teachers, no matter how tough it feels, there is always light because the light is you.